This is a young team. We're on the cusp. They're hungry to get better. Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. These are the type of guys, the type of men that we want in our locker room. It's intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Love the energy. Picked off by Stingley. <laughs> Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Yes, sir, you definitely got to go work, and we are working this evening for you. John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. That's what I have on my phone. And when Mark called me earlier, it came up as the voice of the Texans. That's all it says. It says voice of the nice. Texans. I know who that is. It's very nice. Mark, good evening. We boy. Good evening. <laughs> we, have a, we got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. Um, and I'm not even sure where to start. Um, but we talked a oh, little I bit where you, you, okay. I think, all right, I'll go with what you want to, what do you want to start with? All right. I want to have a contest. Okay. And the contest is name your starting five offensive linemen, September 10th. I think I can get somebody to insure it. We can give away a hundred grand because it's going to be tough to name for most people. But Johnny, if anybody can do it, you and I can get it done and name the starting five or at least give some options because if they come to us, right, if they come to us and say, hey, who should start, I think we can help them out. I don't think they will. In fact, I'm positive they won't. But it's been a really interesting few days. Injuries, Kenyon Green, acquisitions, practice squad, and reports. And we'll put it together, right? We will. I'll say this. Practice was today. And then the guys are off the – I think they're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they might have something tomorrow. But then the season premiere is tomorrow. Season premiere. Yeah. It's tomorrow. They're all going to be there. So, yeah, they're yeah. all going to be there for tomorrow. So at that point, you'll get a look at, you know, even further. Because you have the cut down yesterday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Then you have waiver claims. The Texans did make two waiver claims. Those two players go right to the 53-man roster. Two rookies. Oregon State defensive back Alex Austin and Ole Miss uh, guard Nick Broker. They were both with the Buffalo Bills. They were both claimed um, on the roster. Now, the corresponding moves, a little bit of a kind of doghead turn here, Mark. The corresponding moves, two players were then released. Derek Rivers, who is then signing with the practice squad, yep. and Mike Boone was released. Now, I have not seen anything further on Mike Boone, unless I've missed it. I have not seen anything uh, further on Mike Boone, but he is the second um, He's the second player that is released. They haven't announced the this, Johnny. Plans. What's that? But Aaron Wilson, I'm going to give him credit because I'm just seeing it right here, 31 minutes ago, uh, sign, re-signing to the 53-man roster, Mike Boone and Corey Littleton. So, okay, there we go. All right, good. That's what he says, mm-hmm. and they haven't. The Texans have not come out with the uh, PR email today with all the uh, day's activities, right? Well, Let you can check. see why. You can see why because there's so many things going on. Also, the Texans are re-signing Stephen Sims Jr. Um, and we talked about this machination last night. We said to look out for this one because the 
the um, this happened with John Weeks in I can't remember what year it was twenty twenty one maybe I think twenty one and to get some players through to IR and just to kind of roster machinations and I and honestly I can't tell you how this this works it's just what the CBA allows them to do they released Weeks and then two days later brought him back. And that's essentially what the Texans have done with Boone and Littleton and now Steven Sims. They released them because they had to be off the roster by 3 o'clock yesterday, but then they brought them back, and they're back on the roster. So Littleton, Boone, and Sims added back. Also added to the mix is Alex Austin in the corner, the rookie corner from out of Oregon State, and then Nick Broker. And I want to go there with Broker. Offensive lineman from Ole Miss. He's a guard. I've seen him play a number of times. Saw him at the Senior Bowl. Um, I think he's a sturdy, developmental guy um, that you can you can grow, and I think he will get better as he grows. And the one thing I kept saying about him when I would study him, there's nothing elite. He doesn't have elite arm length or size or anything, but he would just get guys blocked. So I'm curious to see how he fits in. So back to your question about the starting five at Baltimore. Go ahead, big fella. Who is it? What's the starting five <laughs> oh, you want me on to the do offensive it. line? I want you to put in your not only suggestion, but what your expectation might be for that offensive line. All right. By the way, I have Sims here, according to sort not not sources, according to reports, I should say. Sims on the practice squad. Practice squad. squad. Right. And Boone and Littleton on the 53. But, right. you know, wait 15 minutes. This could change again. Yeah, exactly. Like, until the team says something, this is all just stuff in the wind, and, and we might be wrong about it. But let's uh, let's go with this. Johnny, you look at the guard situation. Kenyon Green on IR. I know it's been a big topic on the station all day long, and I get it because he's a first-round draft choice from last year. We celebrate these guys, and then look what happens. Uh, I think the situation back in May when Nick Casario said today – that they knew this was a possibility. Look, guys gut it out all the time, trying to play through things, and do you want to have season-ending surgery in May, or do you want to give it a chance when you might be able to possibly make it through the season or at least a big chunk, or maybe things turn out okay? I don't know. I, I don't live in in uh, Kenyon Green's shoes, and I'm not his doctor, but that could be a possibility because why else would they have done this, right? I think right. they were hoping against hope that this could work out for this season at least, but it didn't, and he's on IR. So there it is. And in May, when this comes up anyway, it's not like, oh, suddenly we can acquire, we can exhume the career of Mike Munchak or we can exhume the career of John Hanna. It doesn't work that way. No one's available in May. You know, whoever's available in May is likely to be available via a certain kind of trade now or maybe an acquisition through the waiver wire or in other means. So to me, it is what it is, and you got to deal with it. I don't know what happened to Michael Dieter. We all wonder about that one. But here they have on their roster currently. Let's just go with what we have. You tell me, can Kendrick Green possibly play? Can you move Josh Jones to guard? Can you move Titus to guard and put Josh Jones at right tackle? There are different opportunities within what they've got right now, practice squad included, and we'll get to that. But tell me about that guard situation with Green, Jones, or Howard possibly because there are some opportunities here. It's just hard to predict what they're going to do. It really is. I mean, you start thinking today at practice, there are six linemen dressed out. Mm. Six. Now, 
you typically now once you get the practice squad, there's obviously a lot more. But you know, when you're working out before the game and there are eight offensive linemen dressed out, you feel like, oh man, they got all the linemen dressed out. No, I mean th- that's eight, and they're usually two that you know. I think you have nine sometimes. Sometimes you have ten, depending on you know how much versatility you have. My point in bringing that up is you look down there and you're like, okay, you got Laramie, you got Shaq. So you've left tackle and right guard. As long as nothing happens to them physically in the next few days, that's the only, you know, 40% of the line, that's it. After that, a lot of it has to do with Titus's hand and his recovery. Mm-hmm. Then the question becomes, all right, well, Josh Jones and Titus Howard are similar, I think, in this respect. They are both natural tackles. But you might need one of them to play guard. And, and, and you might have to do that to get your best five on the field. So which one is that? If you move Titus over there and put him at left guard, I mean, we've, kinda, we've seen that before, and, and I don't know how successful that is. Now, would it be more successful with a different center in this system? Does it fit Titus a little bit more? I, I don't know. My gut tells me they'll leave Titus over at right tackle and they would move Josh Jones over to left guard. Now, I don't love that, but if it gets your best lineman on the field, then I'm for it uh, to a degree. Now, let's hop over to center. Let's say that you – Hang on a second. Pause the center thing for a moment. Okay. Let's say Titus is unavailable against Baltimore. Let's just go there for a moment. In that hypothetical, he's not available against Baltimore – Fant at tackle, or do you put Jones at tackle and then piece it together at guard somehow? You're really up against it then, right? This is why That's the Dieter difficult. thing. This is why the Dieter thing to me is just kind of a, kind of a mystery um, because I would have felt like, look, Dieter is a natural guard or center. Right? I mean, one or the other, he can play one or the other, and he's done it throughout camp. I don't like Dieter at tackle, and didn't like Dieter at tackle, but guard or center, I felt like he. You know, held his own and, and did good things. So, okay, you put Dieter in at left guard, and then you, in some sense, have a competition to see who plays right tackle in Fant and Jones leading up to the Baltimore week. And which one, you know, can can Josh Jones get up to speed with the protections, with the line calls? Can he feel comfortable enough with that? Can he get a crash course out on the edge? But, Mark, I mean, do you want to have a tackle – out there in Baltimore against edge rushers that are not the greatest, but, man, they are incredibly quick and dynamic in Odefe Owe and David Ojabo. Do you want – I mean, I, I, I'm perplexed as to, as to what and how that can, that can shake down. I'm hoping that Titus is then ready to go. But, look – I don't want to rush it just because I'm going to feel uncomfortable in week one. If Titus isn't ready, he's not ready. I hope he's ready for week two. They'll have, as, as I've heard both D'Amico and Nick say, look, we'll have a quarterback under center. They'll have an offensive line. It's just a matter of how do you put it together. My, if, if Titus can't go, my guess is on the edge, leave Fant and then put Josh Jones at guard potentially and then get to the center position where now you still have questions. I, I hate to you know, put Jones in that spot of, hey, look, you've looked pretty good at tackle the last couple of years. You haven't looked as good at guard, but this might be best for the Texans right now, Josh, for right. you to play guard. Yes. And, and right, that's so the hardest thing ever. 
So I've got your center if if you need it. Now, look, I'd love to have Juice fully healthy. Maybe it happens, you know. You said only six dressed today. I mean, that was there for the world yeah. to see, the media to see. Maybe somehow, you know, another few days, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm over it. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know that. But on the practice squad, reportedly, there's a player who I like. Now, I've admittedly not been the greatest offensive line evaluator in other words, I have no idea. Are you pushing their guys out of the way? Are you successful when you're in there as a unit? That's I look at those things, and I'm watching the ball anyway when I'm doing play-by-play. But mm-hmm. Jimmy Morrissey's on the practice squad. Jimmy Morrissey has started games for this team. He's actually started wins for this team. He started the Charger game in 2021, which I know for the Chargers was uh, we're hungover or whatever, and it's late in the season, and we just overlooked this one. That They make all sorts of excuses. Come on. You ran the ball well that day. You played well. It was a nice little tidy win in an otherwise really unfortunate season. I think Jimmy might be an option for them as an elevation, and I think now that he's on the practice squad, I'm not exactly sure of this, but I, I think he's protected till at least after week one. So that might be... That might be an option for them among whatever else they can cook up, but I don't think that's the worst option in the world considering he has some starting experience. Yes. If Juice is unable to go. Now, even if Juice plays, if Juice is ready to go, which I don't know, something tells me that's not going to happen, but look, you never know. Juice is a rookie anyway, so Juice is going to be playing his first NFL game whenever he steps on the field. So if Juice is not in there, then – Okay, Dieter would have been my next option. Well, no longer here. Then Jarrett Patterson is an option. Now, here's the thing with Jarrett Patterson, the rookie out of Notre Dame. He played center for three years at Notre Dame. His senior year, he moved to guard so they could get the best offensive line on the field. Uh, Harry Heiston, if I remember correctly, went back to Notre Dame in that year, and he moved Patterson over to guard. He then played the full year at guard the other night, uh, when Juice got banged up, Jarrett went into the game. They kept the line where it was. They kept Dieter uh, at left guard. Yeah, nothing at left guard. And they just moved Patterson in. So, so instead of having two moving pieces, they just had one. And it was Patterson going in. And I thought Jarrett more than held his own. Um, I thought he did a, a, a great, you know, as good a job as you could do jumping in there. Now, he had to go out of the game a little bit. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him. But once he caught, once he caught his breath, he went back in. He, he did some good things. So, Jarrett's a smart dude, and I, I haven't seen any mental errors. I thought they would try him at guard, but he has also got center in his background. So Patterson is an option. He'd be a rookie, but he knows the offense. Jimmy's an option as an elevation because he knows this offense. And I got a feeling that Jimmy might be the elevation for the first, first few weeks until they can kind of get everybody back, juice back, Titus back, et cetera, uh, and then get Kendrick Green up to speed. I don't know that you can – Put Kendrick Green in at center or guard unless it's a pseudo-emergency. I mean, you're going to go up to Baltimore outside Mm. in a raucous environment, and CJ's going to check to a play, and Kendrick's going to be like, huh? Now, it's the NFL. You've got to be able to step up and step in at some point, but you've got a rookie quarterback back there, and the last thing you want – is for Kendrick Green to think it's a slide protection to the left. He opens up the A-gap, and here comes Roquan and smashes CJ. So you're going to have to you're gonna have to work those things out. I would feel a little bit more comfortable, even though I think Kendrick is probably a better prospect overall. 
but Jimmy and Jarrett both know this offense, and they know the center position. And so that, I would think, as it sits right now, might make the most sense in what they can do. So when I saw Jimmy was coming back on the practice squad, I was like, okay, that I can, that's okay. I feel a little bit better. I don't feel great. Mm. Even if Juice were 100% healthy, Mark, I still would be nervous. Of course. Nervous going against the Ravens. I mean, that's not Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell over there. It's not them anymore. Um, But it's Justin Matabike who's just as disruptive. Um, The guys on the edge, it's not Terrell Suggs and Justin Houston. But, you know, Ojabo and Owe have got a ton of speed and explosiveness. And they're playing in that building, and it's going to be raucous. It's the opener. And then, oh, by the way, playing behind him is Roquan. So, if you're, not, if you're not buttoned up at center or guard, and we saw that last year against the Bears when nobody blocked Roquan. And Roquan had like 20 tackles in that game. He was incredible. He had a pick. Um, he had a pick. Uh, basically, it picked in the game. So, you've got to be solid at center or guard so you can get somebody to at least attempt to get a hat on Roquan in the running game. Because um, if you don't, then it's forget it. Um, you're, not, you're not running for 50 yards that day. So, Figuring out left guard and center at this point, when you look at the options of Kendrick Green recently acquired, Josh Jones just traded for, Jimmy Morrissey currently on practice squad, and Jarrett Patterson, uh, a six-round rookie. You went from feeling really, really good. I I know I did. I went from feeling pretty good about what the line was going to look like with Juice healthy, even if Kenyon was in or not. It was Dieter. I felt really confident about that line. Then Titus gets banged up. George has done some good things at right tackle, um, but it's not Titus. Um, you bring in Josh Jones. I'm excited about that, but he's been here for a week. Um, yep. So where do you – how do you kind of put all this together? And that's where I'm just – I'm kind of shaking my head about all of it. Like, man, what do you, what do, you do? Um, and that's, that's baffling. Now, um, Aaron Wilson has this about 10 minutes ago. And I've seen kind of bits and pieces of these all day. This is not – I think it's 16 could be on practice squad. If my numbers are correct, it's 13. But it's Khalil Davis, Deculus. I saw him in a building today, so I figured that was what it was. Kobe Francis, Allie Gay, Brandon Hill, who's been banged up. The rookie out of pit. Johnny Johnson, Dalton Keene, Jimmy Morrissey. Derek Rivers went from the roster to practice squad. Uh, Dio, who's the international pathway player. So that does give you an extra one with him being an international pathway player. Steven Sims recently put on practice squad. Uh, Garrett Wallow. And then Ty Zentner, who punted, coming back on the practice squad. So I was That's happy to see eye that. That's eye-opening. Yes. Because you can also have him as a standard elevation, too. Yes. If Cam's not completely ready. Now, Cam was, I thought, I don't know. I didn't see any special teams today. So I saw Cam out there, but I don't know what he was doing or, or what. Mm-hmm. If he's ready to go or what. But Ty punted pretty well the other day. So if you got to have him as a standard or as an elevation on game day from the practice squad, then, then okay, great. So, it's it's tough. I was so, feeling really good about how the roster is coming together, Mark. Um, and then the offensive line injuries happen. You know, juices against the Saints. You know, Titus, obviously, earlier. Uh, you know, those two, I mean, when 40% this, of your line is down and you're, you're questionable essentially going into Baltimore, like, man, that's a kick in the schnutz. So this is interesting because when Scotty went down, I thought, yeah. uh-oh, 
Because you know what I always say? It tends to be a position group that gets the injury bug. It's like a virus, and injuries go through (laughs) a position group. And tight end was kind of it during camp, but they seem to be together now. Brevin Jordan was at practice today, right? So that's a real positive thing. Yes, he was. Uh, I was really hoping that he wasn't one of those guys who'd end up on IR on day two of the initial 53 and all that. But he's part of the 53. Good. So let's see what he can do. We talked about him last night. But when Scotty went down, that was early in camp relatively, and I thought, let's not do this. Let's not do this on the line. And a lot of people were saying, well, Juice Scruggs is going to start anyway. I'm not so sure about that. I think Juice was eventually going to start. But right away, I don't know. Maybe they like Scotty in this system, you know, doing this zone blocking and all the other elements they have in this Kubiakian, Shanahanian system with Bobby Slow and Coach in the O. So maybe they like Scotty. And I know one thing. Injuries are not good. This just in. Breaking news. You mentioned the Ravens. You're going up there. There's a defensive ethic in this organization that's been around for a long time. It What's, what's the uh, Super Bowl year? 2000. 24 years of football, right? They've been out of the top 10 in defense in those 24 years only seven times. And listen, I'm not going to read all the numbers to you. I'm not going to bog you down with these numbers. But there are a lot of ones, twos, and threes in there. A lot of top five finishes in defense throughout those years. Last year, they were ninth in yards, third in points per game allowed. And I know year to year, things change. Two years ago, they were actually pretty horrible. But that was just an abnormal situation for them. They're usually a top ten type defense, whether it be yards or points or both. And this year, we'll see, but you're opening up there when supposedly everybody's fresh, but the Texans are not fresh on the O-line. they got to find a way to put it together. Help is on the way eventually because you're going to get Charlie Heck back. You're not going to get uh, Kenyon Green back this year, but as guys get healthier, as the acquisitions they've made get acclimated, that'll be good as well. But you are where you are right now, and you got to try to put it together. No doubt about it. Two guys that... Ended up being cut, have found new homes. Drew Doherty and I talked about those two players that were cut, what they meant to this organization. That's next on Texans All Access. More Texans Radio is on the way. Texans Radio is back. Yes, it is. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, with you this evening and each and every Tuesday, Wednesday. Drew Doherty and I sit down and do a little in the lab podcast. We did this one talking about the cuts and two major ones. Two guys have found jobs in the NFL at this point, but we discussed them. Desmond King, who is going to sign with the Steelers and then Christian Kirksey, um, who is going to sign with the Buffalo bills practice squad. Um, I love the fact that practice squad rules have changed that it allows veterans of any experience level to be on a practice squad and give them the opportunity to kind of work themselves into shape or learn the system or whatever. It looks like Christian's going to have that opportunity up in Buffalo, but we talked about that right here on in the lab. Chris hit it. Let's go. This is a big day cut down day. We've seen names already trickle out about who's not going to be on the roster, who might be back in a little bit, some other big names around the league, some former Texans, some notable names, but, I thought D'Amico Ryans put it perfectly on Monday in his press conference at NRG Stadium as the day after the the Saints preseason game. He said, it's a delicate day. It's a sensitive day. It's tough. And it's one of those days that he went through as a player. He was was in the NFL for 10 years. I don't know that 
he was really ever on the bubble until maybe the end. And I can't remember exactly how his the end of his career went. 2014 was the last season with the Eagles, but I know he was never in jeopardy here. He just got traded, you know, right. salary can he was salary cap casualty kind of, but he at least has been around enough to see a you, you spend a decade playing. You spend some time as an assistant getting close to guys that you want to keep, but you know, just aren't all the way there. Tough day. And uh, it's never one of the fun ones, certainly in this building or any NFL building for that matter. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I've talked to so many NFL people around the the league from scouts to players to coaches, and, and you have too, Drew. And th- this is a day that everybody, everybody hates. The fans love it in some sense because they get to see what the, the 53 is going to be at the start of the season, or at least on Tuesday. Yeah, it crystallizes things a little bit. Right. And so it you as a as a fan, you start thinking about starting the season. Let's go. It's week one. We're getting excited about regular season football. It's training camp nonsense. It's behind us. Let's go. Let's do it. But, man, there's so much that goes into it. And 90 guys in a in a locker room, every single one of them is at a different stage. And they're all thinking about this day in a different way. You know, the Damian Pierce's and Jalen Petries are like, yo, let's just get to Baltimore. Um, Laramie Tunsil is, you know, just, all right, when, when – When's practice? We got to get ready for Baltimore. I got to get ready for um, David Ajabo and, and Odafe Owe. So then you've got players at the bottom of the roster going, man, I'm on the roster, I think. If I'm not, where do I go? What do I do? And then you got some near the bottom of the bottom of the roster that are like, okay, where's my next opportunity? Is my next opportunity in the NFL? Maybe it's not even in the NFL. Maybe it's XFL. Do I need to be thinking about getting a job mm-hmm. on Tuesday? It all those emotions are kind of floating through the locker room, and you know, coaches are kind of, <clears throat> as you mentioned, Demika Ryan's coaches are are dealing with that too because they got to have hard discussions. Now, the hardest discussions are coming from Nick Casario and Demika Ryan's, but Demiko said something pretty interesting uh, to us, Drew, that I I I've thought about a lot. He said, "I want all ninety of these guys to have their careers in the NFL. I want them to all be on NFL roster in some way, shape, or form." Sure in 2023 and beyond. And I, I thought that was interesting. I don't think I've ever heard a coach say that. Now they, they might've thought it, but I don't know if I've ever heard any one of them say it out loud. And I just think that speaks to, to D'Amico. I know Nick feels that way too. Yeah, but about it, been but, through it and seen right. friends get cut and he got yeah. traded. I mean, that had to be a, just a bombshell to him. So yeah, he, he's got that human element to it. Right. No doubt. And so it makes this, it's day. And, and, you know, for you and I, you know, we get to know these players. We interview them after practice. We talk to them. We get to know them a little bit. Um, and then some of them, you know, some rookies we don't get to know, but some guys that have been around here, you know, the, the Desmond Kings, the Christian Kirksey's, uh, the Roy Lopez. I mean, those guys, you know, we've gotten to know over the last three years. Mm-hmm. And you look up and, okay, well, they're not in the locker room anymore. And, uh, you know, you, you've been there since 2009. I've been there since 2014. You know, you, you get used to it, but just because you get used to something doesn't mean you like it. Right. Um, and you hate seeing those players. I mean, Des... Des has a, a, a brother that has uh, Asperger's. Um, he's on the spectrum as well. So Des and I have talked about that because my son um, has the same. And so we've talked a lot about that, about family. So I wish them all well. I, I hate it because it feels like, okay, you got to get ready for the Ravens and we got to start preparing, you know, even our stuff for the Ravens. But you just hate that, you know, guys that you like uh, as people and as football players um, have, have got to go. Uh, start something different, end up in a different location. I always find it fascinating at the end of games, Drew, 
when players meet at midfield and they're shaking hands and you're like, okay, those two didn't go to the same college. Oh yeah. They were in this rookie class with this mm-hmm. team. And now they've, you know, gone these their separate ways and now they're meeting again. So it's this, it's the biggest, smallest fraternity on the, on the planet in some sense. So it's a tough day, but it's necessary. It's necessary. 90 guys get a shot. You get down to 53. And then of course you got waiver claims. You got all kinds of ways to build your roster. So I'm curious to see what, uh, Nick and Amico are going to do having the number two priority spot on the waiver wire is going to be really interesting. Right. Um, my guess is there will be at least two that come in through that waiver process. One more thing on this, just kind of as a whole, all 90 guys in the locker room were, unless with the rarest of exceptions, all 91, 90 of those guys, each one of them, when they were in little league basketball or little league football, if they played or baseball or yep. track or whatever, soccer, they were, the kid that everyone in the league was like, dude, that guy's really good. Yeah, scared of. Yeah. Every every single one of them, you know, was just like an absolute stud, clearly head and shoulders better than everybody in there. And some of them, like half of them are getting cut. Half of them are getting cut. So it's something I kind of think about every single time, you know, because I I help coach, uh, you know, I've got little kids. Every time I'm out at something and I see some kid that's good, I – automatically think to myself he's probably not going to do anything beyond college at most if if that and so it's just that's how rare these guys are that's just something that it's like a good perspective yeah oh my son he he had a triple today well you know what he's probably might not even play after junior high so yeah yeah not not to throw water on youth sports or anything but it's kind of more to magnify yes these guys are getting cut but they are not bums they are they were it's a great the point. Studs of studs back in the day. And it's just something that that's got to be tough to take for them in that regard, knowing that they've been pretty much the best. They were the best in college. I mean, think about your, your favorite college football team. If it was a really, really good one, maybe eight or nine went to yeah. the NFL from it. I mean, and that's like, right. they might've won a national title if that happened. So, yeah, I mean, we talk about the 2001 Miami hurricanes and I yeah. think, I think it was 45 guys were drafted greatest college football team of all yeah. time. There's a poll that ended up on Twitter. So I think it was Fox Sports put up a poll and they put five teams. They didn't put yeah, they put greatest tower, most talented college football teams of all time. And they didn't put the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I'm like, you dope. It's an oversight. 45 players from that 2001 team ended up being drafted. And we talk That's about rare. that. That is most rare. talented team. Yeah. That's 45 of 85 scholarship players. Uh-huh. So that means there were 40 that ended up not being drafted or not going to the NFL. So it's, you know, it, 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 every level filters it out as you go through and, you know, the, it, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause you're going to hear a lot of this. Oh, that guy's a bum. He can't play. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's some guy sitting at a keyboard that's never, you know, played a day of football in his life. And so there's that perspective that gets lost for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand it because, you know, fans are, you know, short, you know, short for fanatics. So I get it. I understand it to a degree, but the truth of it is there are going to be some really talented dudes that were all Americans that Mm -hmm. were, you know, award winners. Um, Desmond King was a, I think he was a Jim Thorpe award winner back at Iowa. So there are Mm -hmm. a lot of those guys that are going to be looking for opportunities. So yeah, they're, they're no bums at all. Not in that locker room and not in the NFL for sure. That's right. Okay. Let's move on to this. CJ Stroud looked good. We've talked a lot about what we saw from him uh, the other night. The ball placement, outstanding, which is something that gets talked about over and over and over again, justifiably so. Through the touchdown pass, zipped it in there to Nico, 
loved it. Damian Pierce was money on that drive as well to help set it up four runs for 27 yards. Yep. And then Stroud throws the 13 yarder on third down to Dalton Schultz. And then the touchdown to Nico Collins, bing, bang, bada, boom. You're done for the preseason. I like in between now and then, John, this is the Twitter question of the day in between now and Sunday at noon central time, week one at Baltimore. What must CJ Stroud do? The basic premise that I, I or the basic thing that I would like to to see from CJ is when he walks up to the line, how many ever times that he walks up to the line of scrimmage, that he's able to look across at that Ravens defense and have an idea of what he's gonna see. And I'm not just talking about, ooh, there's a Jabo, uh, there's Owe, and there's Matabike, and oh, Roquan. No, I'm not talking about the personnel per se. And it's good personnel. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, okay, I'm seeing them in, there's nickel, you know, there's no Marlon Humphrey, potentially. I don't think he's going to play in this one. Um, This is the personnel grouping they have typically out of this group. In the past, they like to play this coverage or this front. I want him to be able to get up to the line of script. A couple of things. Get out of the huddle with at least 25, 20 to 25 seconds left, get them to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. because Bobby Slowick can help him in those five to 10 seconds because Bobby can sit there and tell him, okay, here's the play, get the play out, get everybody to the line of scrimmage. And Bobby can say, Hey, they're in this coverage. He can, he can help him with that up until there's 15 seconds left. Right. So, but if, but it's CJ has got to have an idea of what he's going to see. Is this going to be cover three? Is this cover four? Is this man? Is it man match? Is it lurk? Is it Robert? All these different kind of coverages that you know that the Ravens will play. What are some of their giveaways? So live in that film room, get to a point where you have a process down. Now he's got two weeks now, but get mm-hmm. your process down for how you prepare for a team. What are the things that you want to know? What's the, you know, what are their sub package groupings? Do they like, you know, are they a blitz team? Are they a, are they a zone team? Are they a man match team? Do they like play a lot of man. Do they like fire zone? What are the things, and I know Mike McDonald, the, the coordinator for the Ravens, is going to show CJ some things he hasn't seen, but at least if he has a pretty solid understanding of their base schemes and a lot of the things, their their pet plays, then you're and then CJ is going to be better off because there's going to be something he sees in that game that's new for sure. sure. Absolutely new for sure. And so there's going to be some time he's going to go over to Bobby and go, I don't know, Bobby, we didn't see, I haven't seen that. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but if he can have a basic understanding that doesn't happen too often, then I think the Texans offense will be okay. What will slow it down will be, you know what, there's an unblocked guy because they thought it was so they had seen it before and they weren't right. sure what, you know, what, how the rules, you know, a protection were supposed to apply. And then CJ gets hit fumble and, you know, away you go. Um, I think the biggest thing though, is if he can get some help, from Bobby during that game. But the biggest thing to me is just being mentally prepared physically. You, you mentioned it, Drew ball placements on point. I mean, you, you know, you and I have been talking about that since, you know, May of 2022 going into his last yeah, year. Ohio I mean, he's State. one of the most accurate college football quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's his ball placement is incredible. And so you want to give him time to be able to do that. So the game is going to feel really, really fast. But I think the best thing for CJ was going against that Dolphins defense yeah. That was really good for his confidence. Um, this is how fast it's going to be, and probably even faster. 
So they got to put together a game plan that allows that to flourish. I, I think it is going to sound crazy, but they got to let CJ uncork one long, deep, early, get some of that angst out. Maybe you hit it, maybe you don't, but just put the Ravens on notice that you're going to send the ball down the field a little bit. Um, and and really put some you, pressure I, on I kind of think, don't you think from what we saw on that first series, the one that we, the Texans did not score, don't you think a, showing that in the preseason, and I know, hey, it's preseason tape, whatever, but don't you think that is maybe in part a little bit of a message like, hey, this is, it, this club is in the bag, NFL. Just just be ready, you know? I think, yeah, absolutely. And the reason I talk about – Not going to be able know, to stack the box like you did last year against Pierce. Yeah, know? honestly – Honestly, I'm I'm not even really concerned about that, Drew. I think I think what happens in a game is players get so amped up in a game, especially right. quarterback. And then all of a sudden, as a quarterback, you know, coaches are like, hey, let's run this play. And they think it's an easy throw, but it's not because the quarterback's so amped up. The easiest right, throw right, right. that you can make as a quarterback is to take three steps and haul off and throw as far as you can because you get all that. If you think about it, just throwing people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you get all that angst kind of out of your body. I mean, even if you throw it 10 yards over, you now have just like let all that stress and everything go. And now you can loosen up and start to make those throws. So I think it has kind of a three-pronged approach. Really, you put the Ravens on on blast. You then, maybe you hit it, maybe you don't, which would be great if you did. And then thirdly, you get all that angst out as a quarterback. And now you can settle in and now he can make those throws. Sometimes when you ask the quarterback to make the first third down throw and third and eight, and now you're asking him to throw into three guys and a guy that's all amped up and juiced up is going to throw it 100 miles an hour, probably high, could be intercepted. But, man, you throw it deep, could be intercepted. You know, it's it's happened before. But really what you're doing, um, if the guy does pick it off, it's a long punt, I guess. It's, it's yeah. kind of the worst thing uh, that could happen. But the good kind of outweighs the bad for everybody involved in that. So I'd like to see them kind of open it up. And they did the other day. And I, and I think that helps. And CJ dropped it right in a damn bucket. Um, so I do think that, but it's just, the biggest thing is just knowing what you're looking at on the other side of the line of scrimmage, having an idea of what you could see because post post snap, you might see some crazy stuff, but trust your eyes after the snap, mm -hmm. know what you're going to see, trust your eyes after the snap. So there's gotta be a lot of, of, of mental work that he's got to do between now and then, and then take that process and apply it 16 more times throughout the year. Um, and that's going to be tough as a rookie because there's going to be a lot of things he sees. And I'm like, and he walks over to the sidelines. He goes, Gerard, Bobby, never seen that before. So he's going to have to come to grips with that and, and hopefully he does it pretty quickly. Yep. Hoping that CJ does that very quickly. All right, we get back. We will go around the NFL. Plenty of things happening around the NFL. And the Colts apparently made a trade request from the Dolphins that had everybody up in arms. We'll talk about that next on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Yes, sir. We got a few minutes left here on a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. We'll be back on tomorrow night with the general. I'm sure he's got a lot to say with everything that has been going on and probably shares our, our, uh, our concern about it. Not so much concern, but just how is this offensive line going to come together? Kind of got fingers crossed about Juice Scruggs and Titus Howard. Uh, my gut tells me, Titus, yes. My gut tells me. Titus, yes for Baltimore. 
and I hope I'm right. Juice, my gut tells me no. Just seeing him go off the field and limping, and oh boy, man, especially if it's a hamstring. And I can tell you from experience with hamstrings, they suck. And they never, never feel good in the year that you hurt it. In fact, <laughs> it bothers you the year after you hurt it as well. Um, a couple things around the league that, you know, pretty interesting. A couple Texans ended up, as you heard uh, Drew and I talk about on the, in the lab. Desmond King, Christian Kirk, she cut by the Texans. Kirk Go is going to end up with the Buffalo Bills practice squad. And Desmond King is added to the Pittsburgh Steelers 53-man roster. A few other Texans ended up on practice squads. Amari Rogers, um, who was um, released uh, probably halfway through camp. He ended up in the Colts practice squad, uh, amongst others. I like to see Christian Covington. He got back with the Chargers. He ended up the Chargers practice squad. If you remember Cove from uh, Rice and also early uh, in the, well, the mid-2010s, he was fantastic. Uh, Bailey Zappi. Is going to go back to the Patriots on the practice squad. He cleared waivers, so if you're worried, not like I was, uh, about Bailey Zappi and the Patriots only have one quarterback. Well, then now they've got two. It's just Bailey's on the practice squad, and you might have a practice squad elevation, and we'll see what the Patriots do, but I don't know. You don't want to talk about the Patriots anymore. Apparently, the second team in on the Jonathan Taylor trade sweepstakes, if you will, the Green Bay Packers. I had to... When I heard that, I uh, whoa, wait a second. They already got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Now, look, Jonathan Taylor is better than those two. Not by much over Aaron Jones. Aaron, he and Aaron Jones are just different backs. But you could have Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones. You could send A.J. Dillon to the Colts and just let him be a hammer for them. And you have Aaron Jones and Jonathan Taylor in Green Bay to go along with Jordan Love and holy smokes. But that didn't come to fruition. Now, the Colts apparently went on the offensive, which I don't blame them. When the Miami Dolphins called and made some exploratory uh, talks with the Colts about trading for Jonathan Taylor, the Colts were like, yeah, yeah, we'll, um, we'll make a deal. Throw Jalen Waddle in that deal. And the Dolphins are like, <laughs> wrong number, who dis? They immediately got off the phone uh, and said at that point, yeah, look, the Colts are not serious about this. They're asking for Jalen Waddle. Here's the thing, and I know a lot of people have kind of lampooned that today. If I'm the Colts, I'd probably do the same thing. If you're going to trade Jonathan Taylor, you need to get something back in return. So ask for Jalen Waddle. What the Colts did, though, is bought themselves time, and this is what worries me. It, they bought themselves time. And at that point, if Chris Ballard has time, and I've known Chris for a long time, and Chris went to Wisconsin, and so did Jonathan Taylor. And so there's a connection there. I think Jim Ursay being involved – complicates things but if they can somehow nudge Ursay out of it and just let Ballard deal with Taylor they may be able to come to some sort of agreement now the thing about it is Chris is not one to throw a lot of money at positions that aren't in the front seven or on the offensive line he's gonna pay trenches guys there's no question that's where he puts his money but can he repair the relationship enough to get Taylor back after week four now we won't play them until week 18 after week two. So we're not going to see him in week two. Yay. So they can figure it out between now and then. Um, but apparently the Packers were in on the Jonathan Taylor trade sweepstakes. And the Colts asked the Dolphins for Jalen Waddle. <laughs> Crazy stuff going on in the NFL as we move on to week number one coming up very, very soon. We're, all, we're eight days away from the opener Lions at Chiefs. Eight 
days. Oh, my God. I can't get here fast enough. A big thanks to Chris Santiago. That dude kicks ass. He is awesome. Uh, I love that guy and what he does for us. To Mark for being here, for Drew, for all of you for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody. And as always, go Texans.